Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Snack Covenant, episode 258. Today, we're going to talk about the Bionic Valkyrie from Elden Ring, a la what, where, why. The Bionic Valkyrie makes appearances in the announcement trailer as well as the gameplay trailer. Yes. So, let's first look at the announcement trailer. Okay. Let's start with what? Could you please describe her appearance, generally speaking? Can I use both trailers to talk about her appearance? We're doing this properly! She's an important figure! <laughs> All right, okay. In the announcement trailer, the bionic Valkyrie is of indeterminate height. <laughs> and um, we're not sure what she looks like below her ribcage. She is a woman in this armor that I guess we'll talk about later on, like the design and everything. It's sort of a golden brass color, which fits with like what we know about Elden Ring, that everything's like gold. You do not see her eyes. Because she has a helmet that covers her face up, it looks a lot like Selen Vinland's helmet from Demon Souls, but with a visor. She has very long red hair coming off the back of her head. And the thing that everyone noticed about calling her a bionic Valkyrie is that when she shows up, she does not have a right arm. And then she picks up a mechanical right arm and kind of affixes it in the socket and it locks into place and then that sort of becomes her arm. The left arm that she still has is covered in this like cracked burning pattern that looks like it is falling apart. And um, yeah, she's wearing a cape with like a Celtic knot design on it. And um, she's on a... Oh, well, that, that's, that's where, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, there's also, like, the, the Celtic designs are recurring on her armor. She's got a Celtic knot across her helmet. She's got a sort of stylized um, Celtic knot leaf design on her shoulder of the bionic arm. And the lower shoulder on the arm also has, I think it is called a Dara knot on it, which is a kind of Celtic knot. It's like a circle with everything sort of, like, woven together into a big circular pattern. Thank you, Sophie. Now, I think you covered it very well, and there's a couple of things I wanted to add. So she's wearing a red cape with fur around the collar. I asked Spotcaster, a cultist who is really knowledgeable about the animal kingdom, if he knew what kind of fur this is. And he said, the shaggy short insulation layer is usually only seen in bears and mink slash ferret slash badgers. So I thought that was interesting because I personally have no idea about these things. So big thank you to Spotcaster for the information. And you touched on the helmet. It's specifically a winged helmet type deal. Yes, yes. And those are a real thing. There are various figures relating to religion and mythology who wear winged helmets. Yeah, yeah. There's Rama. She's a deity who personified Rome. Right. She wore a winged helmet. Yeah. There is Mercury, again in Rome, a god of, like, commerce, luck, and trickery. Yeah. And there's also Hermès, a French luxury goods manufacturer established in 1837. 
Hi, Sophie here. Sin decided to play a wacky little joke on us by confusing the Greek god Hermes with the luxury goods brand Hermes, who I'm sure are very, very popular with gamers. You might think that Hermes takes its name from the Greek god, but it's actually named after its founder, Terry Hermes, who is credited, according to Wikipedia, with inventing a new kind of scarf. As soon as the scarf connoisseur of the pair, I have nothing to add to this since all scarves look the same to me. The Wikipedia article does have a footnote about the scarf designs, but it references an issue of Arts and Antiquities magazine that I'm not going to put on order just to do this cutaway. So now that you understand Sin's wacky little joke, let's go back to the podcast with both the speed of Hermes and the style of Hermes. In terms of Saltborn references, you mentioned Vinland from Demon Souls? Yes, I did. But also, do you remember a little game called Bloodborne? No. <laughs> you know how in Bloodborne you have headgear that kind of sticks out on the side, kind of like the gray wolf cap? Yeah, very aerodynamic. <laughs> or like the regular hunter hat, yeah, yeah, stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. So that's kind of a wing design isn't it and off air you call the hunter hat a paper airplane design yeah so that's kind of winged yeah well like another thing to to note about like is it gonna be where yeah where comes after oh for god's sake okay and continue <laughs> and in terms of berserk references yeah Fernese, who's one of the main character she also has a winged helmet yeah and in my research, which consisted of a short Wikipedia article, yeah, okay, I saw helmets that have literal birds on them. Right. Like this attic helmet with small bronze decorative wings, southern Italy, 4th century BC. Yeah. Uh -huh. Or the Celtic helmet with a complete winged bird crest from the 3rd century BC. Right. And that actually reminded me a lot of the adjudicator because yeah. they have a literal bird in their brain. Yeah, yeah. So I found a winged helmet that might be of interest, and that is what I will send you now. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is um, what I was thinking of. Like I was saying, I don't think this was worn in combat because it looks very impractical, but this is a uh, goal warrior with the winged helmet. If you look at depictions of Gauls, they'll often be drawn with winged helmets. If people know Asterix, um, Asterix's design kind of comes from that. The idea of That's the winged true. helmet. Yeah. Another thing we kept talking about was Celtic stuff. Yeah. I think that's sort of important because when Elden Ring was first rumored and announced, there was this whole thing about how, oh, it's, um, it's Nordic. It's a Norse themed game. And everything we have seen to me has not looked particularly Norse since we've actually started looking at it. So I actually talked to someone from Reset Era about this. And um, I said to him, like, hey, where did the Norse thing originate? Like, is that something that came, like, from within from software? Like, someone worked on it and had been told to use Norse influences? Or is it that someone saw the designs and thought they looked Norse? And he said it, it's the latter. Okay. It's that people, like, when they started getting a sense of what Elden Ring looked like, their brains went, oh, it's Nordic. And that's where it came from. But nothing we've seen has looked um, particularly, I think, actually Norse. It's really, really looked Celtic. 
Um, a good example is actually the character we're talking about now, because we we are calling her the Valkyrie. Valkyrie, of course, specifically a Norse thing. The idea of like the sort of the warrior maidens who are like escorting the the dead um, people off to Valhalla. But we're basically saying that because she's a woman in a winged helmet. Nothing about her is particularly, I think. That like there's obviously there's a lot of um overlap between Norse and Celtic things in terms of like the designs and like the people themselves and like they share a common ancestor and all that other stuff. But like I think this is like everything has looked really, really Celtic to me, and the amount of like Celtic knot designs on her armor that says to me like this is not gonna be but it may just be one kingdom that looks like this, but um the other place we see Celtic knot designs is the Arm King. The Arm King also has a sort of Celtic knot slash weave design that is across the hem of his cape in the same way that this lady's got a a knot around her cape. Mm -hmm. But the Arm King's not like, it is slightly different, but it's still recognizably like stylistically the same kind of knot. Yeah. And we talked about this in one of our previous analyses where somebody noticed that the Arm King's knot looks like the eye of the cyclops yeah 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 which is really cute yeah yeah um so so one of the things about celtic myth is that there's a group of i guess gods i don't know how you would describe them called the um tuatha de danan and i'm sorry if i got that wrong and um they are described as having like a golden hair there's like gold about them, so I'm wondering if like the whole tarnished gold thing is actually drawing on this. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and also like when I mentioned the knot on her shoulder, there's a whole lot of different knot designs that all kind of mean different things, but like those designs themselves have different variants. So like I couldn't get an identical match for the weave knot on her armor, but I think it's what's called a Dara knot, and a Dara knot is supposed to symbolize an oak tree, mm. which makes sense of the whole Erd tree thing. So yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you, Sophie. That was very informative. And you touched on her arm. Yeah. And interestingly enough, she seems to have this like mechanism holding the base of the arm in place, along with a belt. Okay, so I brought this up like way, 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 way back when we did our first Elden Ring trailer analysis. And I said like, oh, that's like kind of like um, Nuada. So there's a Celtic, this is like in the, the myth cycle, there's a Celtic king called Nuada. And he loses his arm in battle. And there is a rule that says like if the king has any physical imperfections, he can't be king. So he has to abdicate. And then in order to become king again, he has to get a new arm, and he gets an arm made for him out of metal. And that's what this immediately made me think of. That would make sense. I I am still not sure how the arm thing is working. Because when we first saw the trailer, it was like, the blacksmith's body was crumbling, right? And we could see that her her remaining like arm was like crumbling like rock, like it was like burning off, and it's like like heated oh, okay. rock or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. all right. So is her body just like? Is it just that people's bodies crumble, and that's why she's got one arm because that part of her body fell off? Then we noticed like the Arm King, obviously in the trailer, and his design. It looks way more like he is just built a sort of like arm 
body for himself. Yeah. It doesn't look like, oh, my body fell apart, so I stuck other stuff on it. It looks like, oh, if I stick a bunch of extra arms on me, I can hold ten swords at once. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, there's the the room that has all the arms hanging from the ceiling. Um, those arms are all connected together, like, at the elbows, so it's actually, like, they're not, like, severed arms. They're actually two severed arms stuck together. And when, when we see that, um, the guy with all the arms, it looks like when Spider-Man grew the extra arms, like, he hasn't, like, replaced his damaged arms with these arms. He's, like, sticking them on his body. He looks like um, Mistral from Metal Gear Rising. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I was also wondering at some point, like, is it always right arms? Because uh-huh. Valkyrie Lady has her right arm missing. And there's the big giant in the trailer who also has a right arm missing. And I'm thinking, is it something to do with the right arm? Is that specific? So I looked at the Arm King's design, but he also has left arms stuck to him. So I don't, I literally do not understand the arm thing. I don't know if it is an important part of the plot or if it is just like a body horror thing where if you have lots of arms, you're more powerful. I also think Arm King might have extra legs. Because in some of the shots where he can see him in the distance, it looks a lot like he has, I think, separate legs sticking out the back of his giant legs. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Was it either Ipsy or Doom Kitty that pointed it out as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does seem to have little extra legs. Yeah. I actually think, next, I remember when we saw it, I was like, oh, there's one guy... There must be two of them because one of them has a dragon head for an arm. I actually think they're the same guy and the dragon head is phase two. Oh, that would make sense. Because you see him at the start, he like caresses this severed dragon head that is next to him. So I honestly think what's happening is like you fight him and then that dragon head is in the background and phase two, he's ripping the head off the dragon and sticking it to his arm to give himself the flamethrower. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, again, um, Arm King has a dragon head for an arm, and there's, like, the guy guarding the castle where Arm King is, and he's got, like, seemingly a dragon's tail. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm replacing my worn-out human body parts with replacements. He's actually, like, hybridizing himself. We also have, like, the snake guy, mm-hmm. who appears to have stuck his head on a snake. Mm-hmm. It seems like they are... Yeah, they're, like, transforming themselves, basically. Yeah. Into something else, yeah. Thank you, Sophie. About the arm, when I first saw the trailer, I thought of an anime. Mm-hmm. And for once, it wasn't reborn. I think it can be. I think you can find a reborn reference here if you try hard enough. And the anime is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Right, yeah. And in there, there is a character called Kushana, who's an imperial princess. And she also has this golden mechanical arm. And another kind of reference, I guess, something that probably popped into everybody's mind right away is Guts. A character from Berserk who also has a mechanical arm. That's true, yeah. yeah. You know what I thought of? What? I thought of Sekiro. Yeah, that's another reference I actually have here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why, like, I've been so disappointed that in none of the trailers um, we have a mechanical slash biological weird arm. Because when I saw that, I'm like, oh, all right, do we get to replace our arm with something cool? 
And I don't think, when we haven't seen it, I hope we can. Maybe it's like a surprise. I hope so. You don't want to, you don't want to reveal too much. Maybe our arm turns into the Moonlight Greatsword. No. One last thing I wanted to mention, uh, going yeah. back to Kushana and Guts. Yeah. Both those characters lose their arm under traumatizing circumstances. And the circumstance, like, motivates their revenge moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's more, but, you know, it's one of the things. And at first, they both appear as people who may not be very nice. Mm -hmm. But as you get to know their stories, you realize they're very caring people, but they have to do what they have to do to survive in their world, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if the Valkyrie lady is going to have a similar story. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that like most of the bosses, they'll have a sad backstory. You think? Well, okay, she looks to be the least monstrous of the bosses we've seen. Because mm-hmm. she is not like, she's not a horrible arm golem who's screaming at us. Um, she tries to kill us in the trailer, obviously. Yeah. But like, I can see her as like. I mean, we'll talk about this when we talk about where she is. But like, I suspect it's a situation like Maria or Sif or something where this character is guarding something, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I cannot allow you to pass." And then it's like big dramatic fight and then we defeat her and it's like oh you should not not have done this yeah kind of like the spider lady where you defeat her and then you go see your sister and the sister's like hey i love you so much you're the best sister and you're like oh no what have i done (laughs) but sophie you gave me a vision oh no when you said the bosses will have a dramatic backstory i had a vision of the arm king being like i fucking love arms yeah give me more of your arms (laughs) <laughs> do you think it's gonna be like the story of him quitting his arm addiction <laughs> one day a week you don't collect severed arms and then when you're used to that try two and keep on with that and if you stay on track soon you won't be collecting severed arms at all <laughs> thank you sophie oh another thing i noticed as well is like remember how we saw um the the lady with the knight who looked like he was a Lego knight. And we said she looks like she has a mask on. Yeah. Remember that covenant, the NPC you thought was us joining a covenant, they also have a mask on. That's true. Yeah, so I'm wondering if, like, that's that's going to be a recurring thing, that, like, maybe it's to cover up the fact that their faces are, like, rotting and breaking off, because we'll, we'll talk about that later with Valkyrie Lady when we're allowed to talk about the other screenshot of her that we can't talk about now. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. So now, let's move on to where. Is this where in the original or where in the most recent trailer? Because I'll level with you, they're the same fucking person. No, Sophie, we're talking about where. Think sketchy boss arenas. Okay, fucking fine. I mean, I could, okay. It looks like she's on a battlefield, which is featured in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And could you please describe the battlefield? Look at the sky. Oh, it burns. There's not a great deal other than that going on. I'd like to point out, like, we don't see her do anything other than attach the arm to herself. But the battle appears to be between these knights that have spears and a very, very large man. So, like, the knights with the spears 
They also have winged helmets. They're not exactly right. the same design, but they still have like a wing motif coming off the side. It looks like it's it's her and those knights versus the the large man. Just because of how it's it's directed, like they're both facing the same direction. Yeah. The other thing that I'd note there is that we know now for a fact that like the war was between a bunch of demigods who were all related. And um, the the big guy they're all fighting and the Valkyrie lady, they both have long red hair, which makes me think they are related. They're like brother and sister or father and daughter or something like that, and that's possibly why they're fighting. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Now let's finish with why. Yes. These events, do you think they take place before the game officially starts? Like, is this the intro cinematic of the game? So this is something that we talked about a fair bit. And, like, when that 2019 trailer dropped, we were like, oh, okay, this is, like, the intro cinematic of the game. In the same way that, like, the Bloodborne trailer we got was the intro cinematic of that game. And we were like, oh, this is going to be the equivalent of, like, Gwyn and his knights fighting the dragons. Or it's like, here's this thing that happened before the game starts. But... Now that we have the gameplay trailer, the Valkyrie lady's in there and she looks basically the same. She doesn't appear to look any different. And the reason that's sort of like interesting to me is that her arm in that trailer that is cracking and it looks like it's like burning and, and falling apart. And then in the gameplay trailer, it's still there. So you'd expect like if these people's bodies are decaying at this prodigious rate, she would not still have that arm at this point if it's been that long. So it's possible that, like, that that trailer thing that we saw in 2019, that is, like, comparatively quite recent in, in when you think about something like Dark Souls, where the intro is so, so, like, long ago. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sim. So now, let's look at the gameplay trailer. Let's start with what? Could you please describe her general appearance? She is the same. No, she's not, Sophie. Could you please describe the general appearance in this trailer? Well, in this trailer, it's revealed that she does, in fact, have a lower body, which we were not allowed to talk about before. <laughs> so the big thing, I guess, that this trailer revealed is that we see her put the helmet on. She already has the helmet on in the 2019 one. So when she puts the helmet on in the gameplay one, you actually get a very fleeting glimpse of what her face looks like under it. And her face looks like it is in the same state that her arm is. There's all these like sort of fractures and like discolorations around the top where her eyes and nose are. Yeah. Yeah. And Sophie, we also noticed that she's very tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get a better look at what she's wearing, and it looks like some sort of layered dress that's kind of green. Do you think it's green or brown? Or brown? I don't know. I wasn't 100%. I guess what it does reveal is like the the fur you were talking about before. Um, that's actually just a little collar around her neck. The rest of her clothing is like not that. It's not a big thick fur coat. Bottom jeans, boots with the fur. Thank you, Sophie. And to me, the material of the dress looks very light. Yeah, I think that's going to be a recurring thing with Elden Ring. 
everything looks really light because we have characters like jumping around in combat and like no one that we've seen apart actually from that massive giant looks like they're wearing anything particularly heavy because i think they i think they want the combat to be faster mm-hmm. and more acrobatic so like heavy armor's not going to work so it does it does look like like the speed of the combat and the kind of thing you're doing looks like i guess it's probably comparable to like um sekiro but with the parrying from Bloodborne slash Souls, or maybe like Bloodborne slash Dark Souls 3, but with the jump from Sekiro. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. And I noticed that she has a couple of cute belts too. Yeah. And one of them is particularly interesting because it looks like a bunch of square pieces Yeah. together. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about her sword. It's hard to see, but does the sword actually have a handle, or is it just one blade? I think it has a handle. Hang on. You see, to me, it looks like it's just one piece of steel. Yeah. Oh, you know what I bet this is? What? I bet this is, like, the backstory behind the weapon is it's just the blade from a sword. And when you get it from her, you can hold it, but it causes HP loss. Oh, that would be so cool. Unless you can get a mechanical arm. So, Sin, you love Demon Souls. Yes. Did you ever use the hiltless katana? No. Okay, so Demon Souls, uh, Demon Souls has a, a katana that uh, does not have a hilt. And uh, when you use it, it hurts you. Nice. I think this might be the hiltless of Elden Ring. Yay! Yes. Excellent. Thank you, Sophie. Now, let's move on to where. When I saw this, I thought she's in a snowy cave or a yeah. snowing mountain by a yeah. tree. Yeah. But you had a different idea. I said it might be ash. Mm-hmm. Because of all the, like... In a scarlet branch. <laughs> and also, we know that, like, there is a massive fuck-off volcano... Yeah. It's possible she's quite close to the volcano. Everywhere in Elden Ring seems actually fairly close together for a game that's open world. <laughs> so I am wondering if, like, she's just downwind of the volcano and that's where all this ash is coming from. Also, if the sky's burning, I mean, maybe ash falls like snow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know what other game that ash falls like snow in? What? Sekiro. I want to be clear, I'm not saying fuck this in Sekiro, I just mean, like, <laughs> from do all this parallel development where, like, ideas from one game end up in the other games they're working on. So, I think there's possibly precedent for there being, like, oh, this is the snowy area, but it's actually Ash. hmm Yeah. I hope that they take all the best elements from every game and put it here, because I think that would make an even better game. What makes you think that? But I mean, it's like, what if we got the best things and just put them in the game and it'd be good? (laughs) I don't know. Thank you, Sophie. Well, Sin, I was thinking if they combine all the worst things, the game would be good. (laughs) Every stat is resistance. We should do a video where we put the worst parts of every Souls game in one game. Oh my god, yeah! 
Yes. Yeah, okay. 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 Deal. Sophie, you also yes. mentioned that you think she's sitting by the giant tree. Yeah, so you were like, where do you think she is? And I think she's at the base of the herb tree. Because you just see these massive roots that, like, some of them are golden. I think mm -hmm. they're probably all golden. And just the lower ones have so much ash on them you can't see. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the roots are gold. There's, like, gold leaves coming off it. I actually think, hang on. Um, we've talked about the herb tree as, like, a, an oak tree. Mm -hmm. The leaves there don't look like oak leaves. They look like elm leaves. Which one's the regular leaves or the glowing gold leaves? So, like, the leaves behind her, to me, they don't really yeah, look like... Yeah, the regular um, ones. They don't look like oak leaves to me. They look like elm leaves. That's interesting, Sophie, because I also looked into leaves to yeah. try and figure out what tree it is. Yeah. And I don't think... I understand leaves because the best I came up with is lime. This is a lime tree. Limes. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I'm just fighting in lines of like ah. Oh. <laughs> Sacred lime. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. I guess we should also point out that, like, um, elm trees are a big thing in Celtic mythology as well. How so? Well, they're just one of, like, the sacred trees. They're associated with, like, the underworld and elves and stuff, so. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Sophie. Wait, Sin. <gasps> Elden Ring? Elm tree? Elmen Ring? <laughs> the sacred lime. <laughs> sacred limes. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> sacred lime tree. Okay, hang on. The lime, the lime trees is sacred in some Slavic mythology. Oh God, are you serious? It's you. I instinctively knew. You instinctively <laughs> knew. Hi, Sin here. Before the podcast, Sophie showed me this really cool plant they have in Australia. It's called like the Banksia or something. But we forgot to mention it during the podcast, that's why I'm making a note about it now. The way this plant works is it reproduces due to fire. The plant has these oyster-looking things on it, and they're usually closed. But after a fire, they open, and when they open, they release seeds into the environment. So yeah, I thought that was super cool. But also, it's super relevant to Elden Ring because we see this Banksia-looking plant in the area where there's literally a fire-breathing dragon. So if I had to guess, I'd say these plants are having the time of their life over there. Back to the podcast. But the flower I actually wanted to mention was the Kala Lily. 
Am I am I saying it right? I don't know what it is. Oh, where is it? I'll send you a picture. It's this thing. Your lily. Well, Sophie, I'm gonna shatter your world. Flowers of Elden Ring. Because <laughs> in my research about this flower that I think looks like the flower near the lady, right? I found out a couple of things. <laughs> I just love it when we get this serious and was like, I found out a couple of things. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> One of the things is that the color part derives from the Greek word for beautiful. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. However, they are not true lilies. Someone misnamed them when they were discovered, I guess. I don't know. Flowers discovered? There's a long debate to be had over whether anything is really discovered. Okay, well, when they were named, somebody named them the Kala Lily, but they're not a lily, but the name stuck, so people keep calling them that. They're actually in the same family as Jack in the Pulpit. And Sophie, I also found a website that said that the Kala Lily is the sixth wedding anniversary flower. Right. So does it mean that the Valkyrie will be the sixth boss? You know what it means? What? Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, Elden Ring. Oh my god! Well, that's amazing. Master Miyazaki does it again. <laughs> I know. But I want to ask you something. Certainly. Since the color lily is not a real lily. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Does it mean the Valkyrie is not a real lord? I don't think she's a lord. Sophie, that's a good point, because that brings us into the last part of the outline, the why. Yeah, okay. Why do you think that? Like, why do you think she's not the Lord? Okay, because I think, like, the Lords are going to be in charge of, like, the, they're in charge of the kingdoms and the castles and stuff. Mm -hmm. What we see with her is she seems to be at the base of the Earth tree. Mm -hmm. She also just seems like a, like a person. Um, she's not terribly like ostentatious looking, considering there's like people with like a hundred arms and people whose heads are on snakes and stuff. She's just like a lady yeah. with a sword. So I think like the story is probably going to be something like she's involved in that big fight at the start. Presumably what's at the start is the shattering, mm -hmm. the shattering war thing. She's involved in the shattering war thing. And like she loses or something, or something happens there, and what she ends up doing is guarding the Erd Tree as, like, penance. So that's why I was saying it's probably something like Maria or Sif, where, like, she's guarding something that you need. So even though she's not, like, a villain, necessarily, you have to kill her to get past her, or, like, Maiden Astraea or someone, because she's, like, she's just doing something that is, is impeding your progress and it will not progress until you kill her. Okay, so the big picture is there was a shattering war. The shattering. The Elden Ring has been shattered. <laughs> oh my god. Miyazaki, what are you doing here? That's right, it's your it's your boy Hidetaki Miyazaki here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here visiting my cousin Joey Miyazaki. <laughs> so they got this idea for a game, it's called Arm Man. Thank you, Miyazaki. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so the lore of the Valkyrie that we have in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> the story we've invented. 
Yeah. Yeah. But looking at the two trailers. Yeah. Yeah. She fought in the Shattering War. Yeah. Whose side was she on? So the reason I brought up, like, she looks similar physically to the giant in the sense that they have the same, the same long flowing hair is that I think she is related to him. I think she's going to be his sister or his daughter or something. If you look at his design, um, he's covered in that sort of spiraling gold design. <laughs> so I think he might be the Lord. Okay. Because he's, and like his, he has this massive cleaver thing that like it has a sort of, it looks like an Elden Ring sort of design on it of like these interlinked circles. And she's turned against him in the Shattering War. And just based on the designs, like he's like a horrible giant boar head man. And we're told like the, the demigods, the lords sort of became like parodies of themselves when they became fixated on getting power, they turned into monsters. She looks like a sort of like noble, um, sad person. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing what happened is like she tries to stop him and it doesn't work for whatever reason. So her penance is to now that the Shattering War is over, to guard the base of the Earth Tree. You're basically saying she's preventing us from getting to the tree? If I had to guess on the basis of, like, five seconds of footage. <laughs> but we recently looked at the official Bandai Namco website, and yes. we saw that there's additional information that's been added. Yes, there is. And you and I derive different interpretation from that information. We derived different interpretation from one line, but I think like <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing either way because of the line before it. So it says, The guidance of lost graces, should you find them, will put you on a road to retake these lands from the demigods through might and magic, but you need not follow their path. The choice is yours. Do you crave power or do you seek understanding? Decide for yourself and then build your character as you see fit. So the question is, like, if we saw that, like, the lines that just say, like, you need not follow their path, do you crave power, or do you seek understanding? We would maybe assume from that this is about, like, there's different paths through the game. The character can maybe reject parts of the Elden Ring. You don't necessarily need to follow the path of the demigods. But it is in the section of the website that is discussing character builds. So it says, like, you need not follow their path, and it talks about might and magic, and then it's like, the choice is yours, decide for yourself, then build your character as you see fit. And then the following paragraph is entirely about different builds, like, try dozens of skills to find one that suits your playstyle, practice stealth, use the environment, use weather and time of day, and then it's like, master arcane spells, uh, summon familiar spirits, etc. So I don't actually know if when it says, like, you need not follow their path, and do you seek knowledge or understanding if that actually means you don't need to follow in terms of like the personal journey they went on you don't need to follow the path of craving power it might also mean like you don't need to follow the path of like this character has like a specific power that you get from them but you don't need it you don't need to use that like we talked before one of the things we brought up was um there's the character who who seems to temporarily have wings and they jump backwards. So I'm guessing, like, there's probably some sort of, like, you can get the power of that lord that will give you wings or something. But also, you need not necessarily be a wing person. Mm-hmm. 
So that's, I wonder if that's what they mean just based on the context of where it is talked about. Because it doesn't necessarily mean like we don't have to take in the Elden Ring. It might mean like you can take in the Elden Ring, but you don't need to specifically use the powers you get. You can sort of mix and match it. Because the whole like trailer is just like, oh, you seek the Elden Ring. And it's like, brandish the Elden Ring. And it's like, it seems like, do we have a choice? Because I'm guessing it's like, like Dark Souls with the fire thing. You you can choose to reject linking the fire at the end of that game, but you still have to do everything leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when I read this, I was like, oh, clearly they're talking about choices and we're going to have so many choices throughout the game and choices, choices, choices. But I do see your point. Like it could actually be build related and maybe you do have a choice at the end, kind of like in Bloodborne, like in Dark Souls. Like, after you've done all the crap that you did, do you want to link the flame or not? Do you want to kill Gorman or not? The other thing is, like, that paragraph that also mentions, like, different builds and different gameplay styles, it ends with, like, or delve into the complex bloody history of the Shattering and discover the lost secrets of the demigods and their kin. All these paths are possible and more. So to me, that just seems like they're saying you can play the game as, like, action RPG, or... You can get obsessed with the law. And I think that's what they might be meaning by do you do you seek power or do you seek understanding? Because I really think they're getting it like you can play this as a straightforward action RPG or you can play it as like a narrative thing. That's up to you, but that's not necessarily like I'm taking different choices. Or, or you can play the entire game with a broken straight sword because you don't like leveling weapons. Do the outro. That was the Snack Covenant episode 258. What, where, why, Valkyrie ladies of two trailers for Elden Ring. <laughs> thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time. See you around as your friend Miyazaki. How you doing? Hey, the Taki Miyazaki here. How you doing? So uh, we got some more information here about uh, the Elden Ring. So uh, let's take it from the top. The Golden Order has been shattered throughout the lands between. Demigods holding shards of the Elden Ring. They squabble. They make war over the ruins of a perfect realm. Now abandoned by the Golden Guidance of the Greater Will. Uh, as the echoes of this conflict thunder in the distance, an outcast arrives. Once, their ancestors called the lands between home, but the blessed light of grace was lost from their tribe long ago, and they were expelled from the kingdom. They are the tarnished. They have returned to claim the Elden Lordship promised to them by legend. Uh, This is the world of Elden Ring. As a tarnished, the lands between await your exploration. You will ride to the vast fields, gallop over rolling hills, and leap to the top of rocky crags on your ephemeral steed, revealing a world teeming with life and danger. In the grand fields where your journey begins, mythic creatures prowl the veldts, ineffable horrors lurk in the bogs and marshes. And all manner of soldiers and itinerant warriors awaiting for those who wander unawares. Shy creatures nibble on sweet grasses or scuttle through the underbrush. 
Those few inhabitants who are not mad or hostile linger near the broken remnants of the cities left behind by the Shatterin. They may have answers for you if you help them. Above them all, ensconced in vast legacies bristling with traps, secrets, and guardians, the demigods, warped lords who began as members of royal and noble family, ruled their domains with the unyielding power granted by shards of the Elden Ring. So yeah, bogs, marshes, you know the fucking drill. Uh, I'm Ben Hidetaka Miyazaki, I'll see you next time.